Welcome to episode 131 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm Captain Bosch von Ronsenberg of Delaska. <laughs> Damn it. How long were you sitting oh, on that one? I, I was sitting on it. I was thinking about it today. Uh, no, I'm actually not Captain Bosch. You should listen to Andor's Lies. Uh, I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Joining me today is uh, Derek. Uh, I'll look at Gladio all day, Heemsbergen. I will, yes, and uh, and Bosch as well because he's got like the kind of ab window. It's like a weird, like a, a diamond ab window, which is very unusual in terms of costume design. But uh, today, my nickname <laughs> is Derek. Loving you is Evil EC with textures oh. like these. Bergen. Oh God! Hmm. His pun. Sorry that you're strong. jealous of my profound wit. You and, can't. Uh, you can't rename yourself after I give your, you a name, though. Your pun intelligence. Uh. Ooh, I like that. Oh boy, that's Caitlin. Persona Five isn't even the best Persona R Heroes. Really? That's that's what you took away. <laughs> that from that my... was the best thing you said in the pre-show. <laughs> that was hilarious. It's true. But, <laughs> I mean, and I love Persona Five, but it's true. Sorry, not sorry, but yes. Hi, Lynn Cazero on the boards, and uh, well, I mean, everyone knows that I'm a huge Final Fantasy Twelve super fan, so that's why I'm here. And then finally, we have Steph Canada Dry uh, Sabidlo. Sabidlo, I, I paused. I'm, I'm that tired right now. And I was just, yeah. Hi, Steph. Hi. I'm playing Dragon Quest Eight while we speak. Yes! <laughs> I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I knew you would be. <laughs> how, how much are you loving it? Uh, it's quite delightful, I will say that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So who was instrumental mm-hmm. in getting her to play this? Wasn't it Steven or Rob? Uh, actually, no, it was honestly me looking up a list of the 3DS features, and I came around to it. So they got rid of the random medals, and that just kind of appeals to me. True, true, true. Yeah, that, yeah, that 3DS the faster remake. combat. We, we've talked at length about that 3DS remake. Uh, it is really, really good. And Solosi also pushed a lot of pressure on Steph to play Dragon <laughs> Quest. And 8 is phenomenal. And uh, I have uh, some of my men right now storming Derek's house to grab him and bring him to Philadelphia so he can translate all of Dragon Quest Eleven for me. It's going to take a while, buddy. Like okay. a long while. I can do it, but it's going to take some time. That's okay. We'll just chain you up in my basement. Okay? We'll we'll feed you. Don't worry. Everything's going to... You like kale? Uh, Who really. doesn't? I got sick off of it once. <laughs> Ever since then. I, kale is just like popular spinach. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I read that on the internet, but it's true. Okay. So uh, we got to talk about Final Fantasy XII, right? We do. Yes. Yes. No, this this is not an episode of Retro Encounter, everybody. This is uh, the Final Fantasy twelve HD remake. The Zodiac Age is out. We've been waiting a long time for this, over a year. Uh, it was announced just before E3 last year. Happy eleventh uh, birthday. Oh my oh, god. <laughs> no, don't do that to me. Uh, I was working at GameStop when this came out and I went to the midnight release of it because it was wasn't it on Halloween or it was close to it? It was and really close. And yeah, I was two, working th- at yeah, I was working at GameStop and I went um to 
to our pathetic little midnight launch. We had like nine people there. I <laughs> cosplayed as Zell from Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> I would have beaten you with a tire iron within an Why? inch of your life. I would have beaten you with my fists. Uh, and then my friend cosplayed as Squall, and another friend cosplayed as Yuffie, and we were we were little wee babes. We were so goddamn excited about that game. And, That's uh, so cute. And then you got home and you played it. Uh, and know, it was good. I'll say, I'll say, I've never disliked FF12. Uh, in the early days, like my, my initial reaction, especially right after I finished the game, was, wow, that story was underwhelming because I think <laughs> I sort of created this false alternative narrative in my head of like what I thought was going to happen in the story, which is never a really good idea because it, you know, it sets you up for disappointment. And um, like I before or of, after, like while you're going through the game, you got disappointed or beforehand? Uh, when I finished it and I sat and I thought about it for a while, I was disappointed because I felt like there was a lot of wasted potential. And I they still kind of cheap you out I on the end. I still kind of feel that way. Yeah, I still think that there's some some issues with with Final Fantasy XII not really like coming to the full breadth of what it could have uh, amounted to with how big and rich the world is. And I felt like the cast was kind of weak. But the more I think about it, uh, Final Fantasy XII is a game that I've really come around on. So like. At first, I was a little lukewarm on it after I finished it, and I've come around, and now it's like probably my second favorite after FF6. Uh, I just think there's so much to love in FF12, and it's a really deeply textured and nuanced game. And mm -hmm. playing it in HD with all of these modern advancements, like fast forwarding and everything, really makes me appreciate. Like this game was ahead of its time when it came out. Oh, yes. the visual design, and, man! Like I've just enjoyed walking around a uh, or <laughs> fast forwarding around a uh, Rabinaster. Yeah, it's you know, and just looking at how epic and beautiful all the buildings are in there. And it's just a really cool civilization that they built in that game. Yeah, I think it's the kind of game that um, it, you kind of have to take a different approach to playing it than you would any other Final Fantasy. Because, I mean, Final Fantasy, traditionally, what it wants to do was always reinvent the wheel every time it comes out. We have these thematically similar things happening, usually from game to game. And they, they tend to have the turn-based battle system and what have you, but as we've gone into the future, they've really, they want to shake something up every time they do it. And so when Final Fantasy XII came out, we, a lot of people, I say we, but I think most people weren't ready for the mm -hmm. complete shift to like semi real time. Mm -hmm. And it, it threw a lot of people off because they were like, this doesn't feel like Final Fantasy anymore. Now, fast forward 11 years later, we're looking at this like, oh my God, this was, it was way ahead of its time. And it feels so organic and, and well conceived now. And I think yeah. a lot of those initial sort of cries, outcry, that outcry about like, oh my god, it plays itself, you know, I want to be controlling the game. You are controlling the game, but you are on a macro level, and I find that a lot of the joy comes in really fine-tuning your setup, your gambits, your licenses, and everything to create this, like, unstoppable roving death squad. Yeah. And I, wait, okay, so one immediate issue I just had right off the bat with gambits, where I was like, okay, I'm going to embrace this and love it. Um, if I set it up to steal first, because I hate, hey, it's a good idea. Um, and they have nothing to steal. They seem to keep stealing. Well, that's that's you when you set up like other HP one hundred percent. I don't know. No, yeah. it's foe. I think. A good steal gambit is if set it to a foe HP one hundred percent steal, so that they'll steal it, and then your other party members, if you set them to like attack party members' target, they'll oh. hit it, and then you don't have to worry about yourself. I, I think. Stealing over and over. Uh, I want to pause right there because what you guys just did, I think, is a real testament to how brilliant the Gambit system is. I mean, I, I know I'm I'm probably going to end up being the most negative on Final Fantasy XII, mostly from story aspects and the original version of the game, which I think was you know a brilliant attempt, but didn't you know we'll get there. But one of the things that I really appreciate about Final Fantasy 
Fantasy 12 is there is always a gambit. There's always a set of if-then statements to overcome something. So what you just saw was Steph saying, I want to do this, and Derek saying, you should do it like this, which is brilliant. And any other game that I have played since Final Fantasy 12, and we mentioned that that's 11 years that Final Fantasy 12 has been out, any other RPG that I've played that has an AI system for your characters doesn't even come close to this game in terms of the complexity of the if-then statements, the fact that it just flat-out works, like the system actually works, and you can make it just, hey, have your guys attack with melee hits, whoever the party leader's target is. I mean, that's how I got through the game the first time through because I made everybody a bunch of hammer-wielding paladins that could heal each other, so I didn't have any trouble with the game, and that's where I think as we talk more about the Zodiac job system, that really fixes a lot of problems. But like the other day, I was trying to play Pillars of Eternity, and I just got fed up because the I only had like four AI options to choose from, and none of them worked. And I started thinking for a second, I'm like, I've never played a game where the AI worked 100% of the time. Final Fantasy XII gives you that flexibility, and nobody's even touched it since. I would agree. I think it's, I think it's also um, kind of like a baby's first programming language yeah. thing, and in, in that it's, it, is, <laughs> it, does, it does require a certain it's level your if of then statements, yeah. sort of mental yeah. finesse, but, but it's also really accessible and approachable because it does start out very simple with, okay, just attack the enemy that's attacking you. And then as you get more abilities, then you think, ah, okay, now that I have a fire spell, maybe I can set it to attack an enemy that's weak to fire. And a key failing in the original Final Fantasy XII is that you didn't get a lot of those conditionals until very late in the game. Mm-hmm. The gambits that would let you do stuff like attack enemies weak to fire, they didn't give it to you right away. So it was like it was like playing with a, a, a tool set that had half the tools missing. So Final Fantasy XII HD rectifies that by very early on in the game, giving you access to every gambit, flat out. I thought so. I didn't think it was that crazy in the original game. I was like, holy crap, there's so much available. Yeah, so yeah you it's can't a little overwhelming at first because uh, you, could, you, could, you could go bankrupt trying to buy them all. Some of them are quite expensive. Yeah, especially the ones that uh, involve enemies, like target an enemy if it has health of over 5,000 or 10,000 or whatever. And the nice thing is you don't need those ones really in the game, so you can hold off on them. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, it's it's really cool because not only am I getting a completely different experience the second time around by having the job system in place, which we'll get to, I can actually have a black mage character who is built towards exploiting enemy weaknesses. I can focus on unlocking a lot of gambit slots first, and then I can program them to to attack the weaknesses with spells. And it's like, this is what they intended for me to do originally, but I couldn't because mm-hmm. of the way the gambits were allocated. So re- that that right away is a huge plus. Um, but going back to what we were talking about earlier about the game being ahead of its time and all, uh, I definitely agree. And I think, I think personally, in my opinion, that extends to the game's plot too. Um, I've seen so many people who are talking about Zodiac say, age saying that coming back to it, playing it again, now that I'm older, I'm liking the plot a lot more. I mean, it still has its problems, but I'm enjoying it and I'm, I'm finding myself more engrossed by it. And I feel like coming off of games like the previous single-player Final Fantasies, games like Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VIII, IX, X, all of these games where the plot is very... It's all save the world, save the planet. Uh, you have a, a character-focused narrative. You typically have a romance subplot in the game 
coming from that to 12, which is a lot more political minded in its plot. It's much more about world building and the story of these, these, well, mainly two warring nations, but you know, three, if you include Rosaria mm-hmm. and that sort of micro level conflict, it's not the entire, it's not all of Ivalice. It's just a few countries. That was a really big shift, I think, in narrative style. And uh, I just, I, I, get, I feel like people weren't quite as ready for that coming off of previous Final Fantasies and now coming it's, back to it later, being, you know, maybe being a little older, having played other games, having more experience with storytelling, it's a little bit more appealing. Um, it's certainly, even to me, I was in college when I first played it. Um, I was uh, I was actually in Japan when it released in J- in Japan, so I played the Japanese version first, and then played uh, the uh, the Western release. Um, even coming off of that, to ha- how I've been playing it right now, I'm p- noticing things that didn't occur to me before, and I'm finding, despite the sort of brevity of the story at times, um, the cutscenes kind of feel like they move maybe a little bit too quickly sometimes. There's a lot of depth to uh, and, and subtlety to things that are going on that aren't maybe immediately apparent. Um, One thing I usually blame for that is the shift to like very dramatic and you know voice-heavy cutscenes. They don't want to fit that much into a cutscene, so they tend to be fast with it. Whereas you get like dialogue-based games where it's just dialogue, and they could just throw in as much text as they want because it's nothing to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's unvoiced, so it's just like yeah, yeah. Here's more exposition, more exposition, yeah. more exposition. So like Trails games have been doing beautifully because they don't have to really care about that. Yeah, and I find in Final Fantasy XII, so if we're looking at, say, Final Fantasy X versus XII, X was the first Final Fantasy game that was voiced. Mm-hmm. And and I, I very much enjoy the story of X, and I, I, I like X overall. But in a lot of the cutscenes in X, you can kind of get this sense of, like, it's one line, one line being read at a time. Where, like, okay. somebody says something, and then there's a break, and then next line, and then next line. Whereas in FF12, you get overlapping dialogue sometimes, and it kind of carries this more organic flow of conversation, even though they speak in sort of a, like a, a lot of people speak in a very high, higher dialect. Um, I don't know why I can't use my words today, but Marcus. there's a lot of very like uh, poetic or, or like flowery speech happening. Old but it's English. Still happening. Yeah, it is old English, but it's still happening um, in a more organic way. I find most of the time than something like FF10, which is why that may contribute to cutscenes feeling like they go a little bit faster in FF12, which I agree that they do. I'd say the only thing about the story that, you know, obviously they weren't going to go back and do new cutscenes or anything, and I don't think that's necessarily the change. I would say that, you know, Caitlin and I are, are roughly the same age, so we were playing this game at the same time. I was actually really ready for the adult storyline and the change in perspective to a, you know, I, I say middle age, but what Bosch is in like his 30s, and that is frightening to me right now at 32. Oh God. Um, Uh But like, that was a really cool idea. Um, But for me, I I actually feel like 12 has the same problem as final fantasy tactics, which is it starts out with this, like, you know, very game of Thrones style story. And I'm not just saying that for clickbait for the love of God, but like very, (laughs) very political, heavy story, lots and lots of characters all based around their, uh, their interactions with each other and planning and plotting and scheming. And then we deal with with your big demon final boss. Yeah. Then we get to the magical crystal nonsense. And like, and, and, and I think that, you know, 
that doesn't damn the game from where I'm standing. That doesn't mean that all of a sudden it becomes bad, but I, I wish they had followed through with that. Like Final Fantasy Tactics becomes so much less interesting and Tactics Ogre has the same problem. Uh, Let Us Cling Together has the exact same problems. As soon as they start dealing with like magical stones that bring about demons, I start to lose interest. It doesn't completely kill the game for me, but where I was really excited to, you know, take on these judges and learn more about Balthier and you get some of that at the same time, you then are starting to deal with mystical stuff that is kind of inconsequential and not nearly as interesting as the opening of final fantasy 12, which is, I think one of the strongest final fantasy openings. Definitely. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about the, the power of, when a supernatural element creeps into a story that's very grounded, mm-hmm. if it's just a little bit, it can have a profound impact. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. And you said that so eloquently. Well, well I that's, feel like that's kind of how Game of Thrones. Well, which again, no clickbait. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> Game of Thrones does that with like you know, it's it's this very grounded, political, dark and gritty story, and then every now and then you get these moments of like, was that effing magic just now? And that's right. what makes it so cool. And they've been leaking it in over the years, and and. To, to bring up the Game of Thrones point again, it was amazing to read some articles with the season premiere this past week, and people were like, you know, there was one clickbait article, it's like, do the zombies ruin Game of Thrones? And I'm like, if you go back to the first episode of the first season, that's when they first introduced that there is some magic in this world, and so they establish it from the start. And so I think that, you know, if we want to tell these political heavy storylines, I think Derek nailed it, to kind of incorporate a little bit of the mystical at a time. And Final Fantasy, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics has, actually does a pretty good job with it until your brother is picking up a stone and turning into one of the worst boss fights ever in human existence. But, like by bringing it in slowly, it actually works in that grounded reality. And I think if final fantasy 12 had been finished because there's all the rumors and speculation about how much of it was actually finished, how much the story was changed. I mean, uh, originally Bosch and Ash were going to be the main characters. Then they brought in well, Vaughn and main character. If you yes, want to make it, that argument. No, she, no, I, I would totally agree with you. But then uh, Vaughn and Pinello were brought in to kind of appeal to a younger audience. And they actually don't bother me as much as they bother other people. But I think if we had, gotten to play the true version of final fantasy 12 which is impossible at this point i really would have liked to have seen them just continue with that political intrigue all the way instead of relying on you know magic crystals to be to as a counterpoint though i feel like tactics relies on it a lot more than 12 does yeah i can agree with that yeah you you learn about the zodiac braves and what the stones actually do fairly early on in tactics whereas you don't you get hints about Vana and the Okuria um, in the first third of the game, but you don't really learn what the Okuria are until relatively late in the story. Mm-hmm. And yeah. even th- once you learn about that, it isn't touched on a whole lot. It's they kind of are they restrain a little bit. They keep the focus more on your party than on these supernatural beings. They're kept kind of in the mysterious background, which I actually kind of think works to their favor. Um, sometimes, you know, games get into this 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 uh, pit hole where they try to explain their magic and their mysticism too much, try to make it too real, and that makes it sort of lose the, the kind of uh, awe nature of it. So yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. A bit. Yeah. I agree. I, I, it's a shame how much uh, Final Fantasy XII seems to smack of 
cut content or at least repurposed content. Because mm-hmm. I, for one, this is just totally conjecture, but I feel like with the number of espers in that game and the number of them being non-mandatory, there are five that appear in the story and then like seven or ten or something more that are all just optional. I, I mean, come on. I feel like some of those had to have been incorporated into the story in some way. And as it is, they, they have a lot of them have very interesting lore behind them. But you can play the entire game without even knowing they exist. Yeah, so, and and there's there's dungeons at the beginning of the game that are so interesting where you're like dealing with the uh, the insects that are chewing on the electrical cords, and you have to go take them out. And I, at that point in the game, I was like, oh, each dungeon's going to have like a little kind of a gimmick sort of thing. Like, oh, that's really interesting. And then they just kind of drop that, and I was like, oh, you know, that was cool. But then you didn't do anything like it again. Like. I agree with you, Derek. I feel like there is a lot to this game that has been cut. But again, I, I don't want to swing the conversation negative because I think we, we do want to talk about how much work they actually did on this HD remaster. I mean, you guys hit on, you guys hit on it a little bit at the start. This game is gorgeous for being a PlayStation 2 game on yeah, PlayStation right? 4. Like, oh my God. It's really good. Yeah, that's, that's the... Uh... The power of good art direction, right? Like it was right. all just so good. They, they first of all, it had fantastic art design in terms of like architectural design and I think monster design and environments. But second of all, they actually uh, rendered or, or created a lot of these assets at a higher resolution than the PlayStation Two could even display. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they still had to like... do work to to upscale them further, but like they had a strong base to begin with. Which is why what? Sorry. Which is why, like, when you see images of the game, uh, the PS2 original running at a higher resolution, they look amazing because, well, they were rendered like that. And then the PS2 just, you know, couldn't handle displaying it like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they did the the new soundtrack and I was really mm. I was really confused by their wording because like in the pre-order bonuses it said that the original soundtrack was a pre-order bonus but the yes. can, this, can this somebody explain very, that to me? Yes, so the base game no matter which version you get has the reorchestrated soundtrack that's what's on by default and you can go to the original in-game PS2 BGM that is the music you would have heard playing the PS2 game. If you have one of the versions of the game with the original soundtrack DLC, you get a third option, which is the CD soundtrack version of the PS2's soundtrack. So it's oh, going to be okay. it's going to be higher quality sound than the PS2 BGM option. Although, ironically, and I felt that this at the time that sometimes the in-game BGM from the PS2 version actually sounds clearer than the or, uh, the soundtrack version. But so. Now- Okay, so what's the best version? Yeah, what's the best the, version? The best version is the reorchestrated version. Okay. <laughs> I would say it's up to the individual taste because some people really prefer like the original sort of. I know for Final Fantasy X, it was but... way, way more different, but I haven't noticed that much going back and forth between the two. It is closer, I think, this time around. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. You don't, you it, don't have just, a, the case. They didn't of ruin Besaid like... Island this time around, for instance. Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's definitely not the drastic night and day difference of, uh, especially the, the battle theme from FF10, which. I love the original FF10 battle theme, and I don't. I don't hate the remastered one, but I just felt like it. It lost some of the oomph, and uh, with the Final Fantasy XII reorchestrated version, you don't really get that that significant or substantial loss in quality or or sort of character even of of each melody. Derek, just, I love you, but the Final Fantasy X battle theme had no oomph. No. <laughs> oh man. 
Oh boy. Really? I feel like ten. It ten. The ten battle theme has like five different really catchy sections that all sound totally distinct from one another. It worked for the the battle system, but I didn't really like listening to it off hours. Just like oh yeah, because I don't know. But it doesn't it doesn't help that you'll probably hear it like a thousand times. Like any RPG, right? Eh, yeah, but like when I listen to Digital Devil Saga's battle theme, that thing got me pumped. Oh yeah, me too. You know, and yeah, I listened to that a thousand or more times. I was all totally cool with. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I could agree that FF10's battle theme is a little bit more, mm, I guess maybe it uh, is more stimulating. Like there are, so many, there are so many parts that are really bombastic and demand your attention uh, orally. Which is the vibe of the battle system, I find. Yeah. Like the kind of to and fro of the, okay, anyways, yeah, off topic. I want to agree with you. I, I, still, I really like the 10 battle theme, but I, I hear where you're coming from. <laughs> So they, uh, if I play this, I need to go under the uh, what you who's it, the remastered soundtrack. That's the yeah, it'll be on reorchestrated, yeah, yeah, reorchestrated, yeah, I yeah. And, oh it. my, it is so great having real instruments in there. Yeah, makes a huge difference. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the original soundtrack. It's one of my favorites, but they they did a great job with this. And you really hear that oboe when it flies. Ah, yes. There, another nice like... thing with the reorchestration is they've recorded a handful of new tracks to actually uh, replace some of the ones where, like, there were some areas in the game where they just doubled up on an older song because they didn't record a song specifically for that area. And so now there are brand new tracks for all of those areas. I think there's like seven or ten somewhere around there, brand new tracks. That's really cool. Wow. Yeah. So I, and, and they all sound so consistent with the existing soundtrack that you probably wouldn't know otherwise that they weren't there from the very beginning. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> Like, oh my god, I did not realize that. Okay. I want to say like Sirobi Step or Cheetah Uplands, one of those, like sort of uh, Cheetah Uplands. Okay, yeah, one of those generic y. Uh, it, it had it had the music from Giza Plains. Uh, uh, okay, yeah, see, Caitlin knows. Yeah, I know he's And then they have some, I think they have a new ending theme or something and some other stuff. Um, but yeah, it's it soundtrack's phenomenal. And then we haven't even mentioned, of course, the fast forward stuff is amazing. The job system <laughs> is amazing. Um, they've added the, the new job system. Mode. The job system's been intimidating since you're pretty much locked out after you pick. So it is a little intimidating. I agree with you, but pick I like it. it. Yeah, I, I with FF12, one of my biggest complaints, aside from the sort of uh, unfinished nature of the story was the fact that every character was more or less identical because you had access to the same license board. So I find that even though I agree, I get stressed out by making permanent decisions in my video games. Like, don't make me choose forever. Let me undo it. Like, I wish there was at least a way to uh, pay some yeah. kind of fee or, if, you know, if there was a way in game to like reset your level, that would be fine and, and be able to rechoose. And maybe, you know, maybe they'll patch that in later or something. It's yeah, not- I got Van as a white mage, so I didn't want to. Ah, he's going to go my white mage too. <laughs> he's, got, he's got good magic. When, when I right. played, I played <laughs> a little the worst. bit. I played a little bit of the uh, international version, which had the Zodiac uh, job system. And I was also intimidated, like, oh, my God, I have to make a decision right here. And now with this new Zodiac job system, you actually pick a second class. And people Uh have been talking about Mm -hmm. how 
in a way that sort of lets you break the game the way Final Fantasy Tactics does. Like you can come up with some insane combinations and that I, I feel like they've really embraced what makes job systems so much fun is when like all of a sudden you have a knight running around wielding two swords and having blade grasp and like all of these crazy things that you can do. That sounds like a really, really good idea that plays to Final Fantasy XII strength, which is the gameplay for all of our complaining about the story and about issues with the dungeons. Everybody seems to really, really like the story, and it sounds like they doubled down on the right aspect of the game. The gameplay, oh, you mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Sorry, gameplay. Sorry. Got tired. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, and I was a little surprised because when I was building my characters, my my initial thought was, okay, I should be picking sort of two jobs that really complement or overlap to a degree. So I should make a character like a white mage and a black mage so that they can draw from a really big pool of mana. But it seems like in Final Fantasy XII HD, you actually want to pick jobs that are fairly disparate. Yes. So that, because you can't double up on a lot of the same licenses. So like if, if there's the swiftness license, which makes all character actions increase by 10%, like our speed up by 10%. I can't talk. So like <laughs> if you have two jobs and they both have three swiftnesses, like you can only unlock the three once each time and then that's it and then you'll have other characters that are left without any swiftness maybe because you didn't pick them jobs that have access to it although i think they probably all have access to like at least one and Um, things like the magic lores and the battle lores which increase your magic and your physical uh your strength um appropriately those double up too so while it sounds like a good idea to have two mages uh, together, you're not necessarily going to get like double the magical power because they will be doubling up on their magic lores to a certain extent. Um, But you can, you can, you know, flip that and say, well, uh, look at a a physical class like samurai Uh, katanas use strength and magic to determine their attack power. So you want to have a good balance of strength and magic and samurai doesn't have a whole lot of strength, uh, a whole lot of battle lores, on its board by itself, which is why it pairs nicely with other classes like Knight or Monk or Ulan slash Lancer um, that have a lot of battle lores. You still get some overlap, but you get the bonus of having the extra strength in those classes. But I mean, like there's, there's so many different potential combinations and definitely there are some that are more ideal, more, um, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, well, yeah, more ideal than others in terms of sort of, combining licenses without overlap but it's not like you're going to find yourself stuck because you picked the wrong classes and you can't right. progress you um, can basically anything, with all of them yeah i think worst case <laughs> scenario you'll be stuck using characters you didn't intend to use because you're like well damn it i guess i really needed a knight in my party so i made yeah. a my knight and i wasn't going to use her but i'm going to have to use her now because i need to get through the section like that's probably the, the worst case scenario yeah i think the worst thing is if you don't plan out who your your healers are going to be or who's going to get access to white magic. I mean, you you can do you can use every job uh, by having every character have, you know, a, a different job, no overlap. Um, or you can pick, you know, multiple jobs. Everyone can be knight uh, if you want them to be. Um, so you could potentially, if depending on what jobs you pick, find yourself in a situation where you don't have a whole lot of people who can cast high-level white magic. And that could be challenging in of itself. But then, you know, you just have to double up on item lures and, and, th- and you know, things like that. Yeah. When do you open up the uh, second job class? 
Uh, you uh, can access the second license board after you get the first Esper, which is the uh, it's part of this main story. That's not too far into the game, if I remember correctly. No, yeah. no, no. That's I didn't really beat cool. FF12 originally, but yeah, I even got to that point. And if, if Final Fantasy Twelve also isn't a super long game, unless you go down the path of like doing all the, uh, like the options, <laughs> yeah. yeah unless you go, Caitlin well, has multiple times, right? Yes. But but I actually think that that plays really well to the experimentation of the game and the fast forwarding. I mean, one of the you hear about all those uh, games done quick, which I got really big into watching that last week. Yeah, I, I was watching like every single one. Um, but like people always get together to replay Final Fantasy V because of all the crazy combinations you can do with that game. The thing that I struggle with, and I, I think that's why uh, Zodiac Age is going to appeal to me, is that when I have a choice, I tend to like go down one path and then I don't really change. And so, like we we talked about uh, that came up in Transistor. Remember, Derek, you you pointed yeah, out yeah. like. I, I found a combination that worked for me and then I just used it the entire way through the game. Like you would think that the science person in me would want to experiment, but no, what I actually go for is like ruthless efficiency. And so if I'm being efficient, I'm like, well, why change what I'm doing if everything's working? But since everything is so broken up in Zodiac age and final fantasy tactics for that matter, that makes you want to try different combinations. And that could lead to a lot of replay value with Zodiac mm-hmm. age. Oh, yeah, definitely. I already want to redo it. Like, I'm not 100% satisfied with the choices that I made for all of my characters, and I not enough to restart the entire game, but I'm already sort of planning out a subsequent playthrough, which is rare for me, especially <laughs> especially so quickly after beating it, which I haven't even beaten this one yet. Um, yeah, the, the possibilities are, are really quite abundant, and I think, as we were saying, it's not like you can really totally ruin your your save by picking the wrong things. If anything, there's um, advantages to be gained, which I, I didn't know this the first time through, but characters actually have different animation speeds for certain mm-hmm. types and stuff. So like the funny thing is uh Balthier starts with a gun and he's, you know, he's sort of a cannon gun wielder, but he actually has the slowest gun firing animation of all the characters. Yeah. Yeah. I remember so, that from the original game. Yeah. Isn't that weird? And how but, frustrating that was. <laughs> yeah. So if you really want to, to, to min max, you could pick characters that have the best animations and the best jobs or the best stat distribution and stuff. But or you can, like, pick lore-compliant jobs, which is something I try to do, ha- have been trying to do in my playthrough, which is to pick jobs that fit the characters based on either their weapon type that they, you know, were first seen with or in their promotional art or the job that sort of fits their archetype. Like, you know, Bosch, Bosch is, um, he's not a knight, then he's a samurai, or he's both. So, I mean, he has to be one of, or both of those. Yeah. I, I do I do find myself just kind of like wincing just a little bit that like the girls are typically more magical oriented. I'm like, oh come on. I yeah, Again. I think I think actually doesn't Vaughn actually Vaughn, have really magical stats? Vaughn and Vaughn Fran does. are like the kind of uh like good in betweeners, I think. Hmm. Pinello well, and Ash are best with magic and yeah. Althier and the other one. Vaughn has good all around stats. Yeah. He can he can do just about anything well. Fran a little bit less so. Um, Poor Balthier, Fran. Balthier and Ash or, or Balthier, Balthier and Bosch are the worst at magic. Although you know you can still compensate for that. One of the uh, popular pairings is to have uh, to pair a machinist with white mage, and a lot of people put Balthier on that uh, that duty, even though he has lower magic and lower MP than the girls. And that can work because White Mage gets a lot of magic lore and, and Machinist actually gets a fair amount of magic lore too to complement White Mage. 
Yeah, see, this is the the best part about the game is that it is 11 years old. I already know what happens with the story, and yet I'm just excited to re-experience this world and to build a cool party. I think that like a lot of the like a lot of more newer MMOs and certainly like the popular popularity of like Xenoblade or kind of those sort of MMO style like Monster Hunter games really opened up the gates a bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, so I wonder if it was just like, you know, literally maybe Final Fantasy 12 was just way too ahead of its time and it just didn't really sit right at first and with people's expectations following yes and all that yeah to a degree for sure well and and we also have to be careful that we don't rewrite history i mean the fact that everybody had the exact same license board when the game first came out yeah that was a bit of a downer that 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 was a mistake because that led exactly to the problem i talked about a minute ago where i just made the same character three times and yes that's boring and yes you could look at me and say well you weren't doing it right but I also didn't die the whole way through the game until the final boss where the spells wouldn't load. And apparently they've fixed that. Yes. So that's good. Um, Wait, what did but, you glitch lich? So, uh, well, I always glitch lich. Uh, I got to the mm-hmm. last boss and he started like her- actually hurting me. And so I had gambits on all my characters to start healing each other. And all the spells loaded, but he was in the middle of like trying to launch his mega nuke. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, the mega nuke like took precedent over everything else, even though all my characters were ready to go. Yeah. And so I just kept getting hit over and over and over again until I just died. And that was that, actually the last time I played Final Fantasy XII. That that's a limitation of the PS2 original. They couldn't have multiple spell effects going off at the same time. So you could have multiple characters who their 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 AT bars are charged up and they're ready to cast their spell, but they have to wait one after the other because you can't have them casting at the same time. Oh, sure. that, that has been fixed. Um, that is no longer a thing. Spell queue is gone. Uh, in the PS4 version. The damage cap is also gone in the PS4 version. Nice. I think they've reorganized how quickenings work. Uh, I believe they're no longer based off of... You don't use your MP yes, uh, anymore. Yes, Oh my god. I Because I used to hate the fact that they used MP, and I never mm-hmm. wanted to use them, because it was like, alright, I either try to do uh, one hit and hope I beat the enemy, or that's it. Or just use magic and, and never use quickenings. So not yeah. only did they fix that, which I absolutely love, uh, you can control espers now and guests, mm-hmm. which is super cool. So you can actually like these huge cool looking summons before they would just sort of do their own thing. Now you can actually switch over and make them do whatever you want to do. So I think there were some summons actually that uh, their, their ultimate attacks, it was really hard to get them to trigger them because you had to meet very specific conditions. Yeah. They so, have their own gambit set up. And yeah. The- does it still work where when you uh, unlock the quickenings, like you get that huge MP boost? Because that was also really weird in the game. It was like all of a sudden I had triple the amount of MP because I opened up the quickenings and I was like barely out of the first area of the game. Like, does that think, still. I don't, I don't know if it boosts your MP anymore, but it definitely just, you know, you have missed charges as a separate resource from MP regardless. Uh, okay. Thinking, so. Yeah. Maybe yeah, it, it does boost MP. I really can't remember. But, and, and again, well, that, and- that, Go ahead, go ahead. That's another, I think, good thing about the the the, the job license boards is how quickenings and espers appear on them. You know, in the original license board, you know, everything was just on the edge. You, you, you nothing was hidden behind quickenings or espers. They were just usually on the edge or you know any anywhere. Um, you could still get to every license regardless of who had which Esper or, you know, in, in which order you picked your quickenings. But with the job license boards uh, here in Zodiac Age, and um, I'm presuming this is the same in, in the International Zodiac job uh, system, 
there are certain licenses that are locked behind quickenings and espers, which adds an additional level of strategy beyond just what jo- which jobs are you going to get which characters. Now you have to think about which espers do I want to have on which characters based on what bonuses they will give to those jobs. And then also which quickening should I pick? I mean, it, it works the same sort of way that uh, you have, you know, that whichever quickening you you pick first is your first quickening and then second and third, but there are different technical licenses for them and there are different extra licenses hidden behind some, not all, but some of those quickenings. So it adds an extra strategy, especially when you consider that unlocking a license on one board automatically unlocks the same license on your second job board. So where you pick your quickening and your Esper on your first job will also unlock it on your second job. And you have to sort of strategize which one do I want on this character with this job. Right. So like, say, so you, you unlock your second job board and you're like, all right, I'm going to unlock this quickening for Vaughn in this space. You may find that when you switch to your other job board for Vaughn, he's got a space that's unlocked. that's like way at the far end where you haven't been unlocking anything yet. And maybe that's next to like HP plus 500 or something, which doesn't break the game, but it gives you a significant advantage if you plan it well enough, like at least for a little while. So, and this is absolutely sort of a meta strategy that's beyond what the average player is going to need to do to beat the game, but it's cool. Like there's just a lot more possibility there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know. I feel like the whole thing is bringing this game that much closer to tactics um, than the original version. I mean, you could you could restrict yourself in the original version, and people would do that, where they would specifically only uh, you know have characters unlock licenses that were relevant to you know a certain preset self determined job. And you know that's that can be fun if you have the, the you know the willpower to do it. I never did. Um, but you know, having the job system like this and having it be enforced and having to really think about what jobs I want to use and who I want them, who I want to use them has sort of, I, just like I said, it brings it, I think spiritually that much closer to tactics. And that's great because they're both Ivalis games. They're both in the same. I love those kind of the Yoshida esque portraits that they have for the main cast too. For like mm-hmm. stat stuff, I'm so sad they got rid of the pirates' den too. I yes! guess it's all trophies. Ah, yeah. oh, nothing made me feel like it was tactics more than that. So I'm so sad to see that go. Yes, uh, I'll bring it back. So I don't care if I get it all unlocked immediately on successive playthroughs. I want it. Yeah, that was always something to look forward to and something worth achieving. Like that, that was my achievement to me. Ah, uh, but yeah. Um, I, I also think Moogles are cute as hell in this version. I really hope we get another Ivalice game that brings back like Bonga and all that stuff because they're really cool races in the series. Yeah. Yes, I, would I wanted, I wanted a Bonga pl- party member so I'm bad. So sad they don't have that. Yeah, the same thing happened with a uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X. They introduce you a whole bunch of cool species. None of them are playable. It's just the humans. I would There's really like. That's what I like about yeah. like Breath of Fire, where it's like basically everybody in your party is not human in some way. I would just like a Final Fantasy Tactics game on Switch. No, or that. No, no, yeah. no, no little kids running around a storybook. I want like hardcore political <laughs> intrigue. Like, let's do this. Yeah. So now, do we think? Um, you know, I, I know someone's going to complain about this, but I, I'm I'm saying it because it's for me. It's my preference. Um, I would probably wait to pick this up if I knew it was coming to PC. And I, since they brought Final Ooh. Fantasy X and X2 to PC, I kind of, 
I think, I think it's maybe, pretty likely. Yeah. I think it has a shot. And I, and I, the the reason I like bringing things to PC mostly is because I know that my PC is always going to be backwards compatible. Like if I can buy it on Steam, then like down the road when I buy a new PC, I don't have to worry about that. If Sony would tell me tomorrow that the PlayStation 5 was going to be backwards compatible with the 4, I'd probably go out and get Zodiac Age right now. Um how awesome would this game be on Switch? Do you think there's any chance that they? If can anything, do- like you talking about Final Fantasy Tactics series, I feel like that's a great place to continue the series. Would be on the Switch. Yeah, but what about Final Fantasy <laughs> Twelve? I want yeah. it on the Switch. I mean, I want everything on the Switch. I, I was going to say, I don't, I don't care what gets ported. Where I'm just happy when it happens. I wonder where my Switch went. I think Steph stole it at E3. I've been looking Maybe. all over for it. Jackie was very hospitable. She pointed me to it, and that was it. Uh, I took it, pet the cat, and left. I would just love uh, you. You pet one of the cats. There's four of them. Uh, I, I think, you know, part of me. I, I still like playing my PlayStation Four, but it's not where I would primarily like to do my gaming. And so, if I found out tomorrow that this was coming out on the Switch or the PC, that's probably where I would play it. And I, I kind of hope so. But then we haven't seen Kingdom Hearts 2.5 HD Remix 3008 over five. 2018 games. Every time you bring it up, you got to do that. I, I have to do it. We they bring seen... it on themselves. I don't blame it. Yeah. <laughs> that hasn't come to PC. And so, like, Square Enix is, you know, on the one hand, they brought almost every Final Fantasy game to the PC, but we're still waiting on, like, Kingdom Hearts, which is a huge seller for them. And so I don't know if Zodiac Age is going to come to PC or not. So I'm kind of playing the waiting game right now. I'd put money on that. I think they'll do it. I hope so. Yeah. Really hope so. Uh, so everybody seems happy with it. I think it's really awesome. Um, you know, this is the proper way to do an HD remake. It looks like very much the same way we were talking a little bit about. You know, the Dragon Quest VIII 3DS remake. Go in and fix the things that were kind of wrong with your game. In Dragon Quest VIII, the, the battles were pretty slow, and you couldn't actually see what you were leveling up to. That's probably a problem. With Final Fantasy XII, you know, they put that job system in. They've given you even more flexibility. And then, you know, the dungeons, which can maybe get a little grindy, they let you go through them that much faster. And people are actually enjoying grinding in this game because the Gambit system is a lot of fun, and now you can move around the environment really fast. Yep. Good on you, Square Enix. Really fun. Oh, and then I was briefly mentioning that this has the new trial mode as well, which was in the, the international Zodiac job system version in Japan. It is a hundred uh, stage gauntlet of fights against a bunch of new enemy configurations. Um, many of these are enemies that were already in the game, just sort of in a new setup. And the earlier stages, especially, you can really speed through, especially with the new fast forward. But uh, towards the end, you get some unique boss fights that weren't in the original FF12, including you get to fight the judges that were not uh, uh, bosses in the main story. Ah, sweet. Yeah. (laughs) My smart self was going to say fightable. (laughs) (laughs) That are not fightable. And you're like, that were not present. I'm just, ah, crap. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Well, there were, yeah, there were some bosses, especially one in particular who uh, the, the main party doesn't even meet. Mm-hmm. which always pissed me off because I was like, well, what the hell? So uh, yeah. that, that boss or that judge in particular is included in the trial mode as a boss. It does suck that Final Fantasy XII was totally like a victim of just incomplete storytelling. Like that one yeah. was really obvious. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, we can't expect them to go in and fix all that for the HD remake, but it, it sounds like they've done enough with this game that uh, it's probably the best Final Fantasy game you can play on PlayStation 4 right now, right? Uh, yes, I, I would say yes. So, yeah. Okay, 
I mean, you can play FF14. I also, I, I did want to, I did want to posit something, and it's not just because I'm cynical or I'm looking for a fight, but I, I think you could also make the argument that the the high praise that this game is getting right now is also, I think, kind of a reaction to the fact that this is a, the closest thing we've had to a traditional air quotes Final Fantasy. You know, 13 was divisive. I think everybody can agree on that, at least divisive. Um, you know, we had the MMO in 14, which is really, really good. But if you're not an MMO person, you're not really going to play that. And, you know, 15, people seem to be cooling on that game pretty quickly. Like, it got a lot of praise and people were really excited. But, you know, as we talked a little bit about the Zelda saga, uh, the Zelda cycle a couple episodes ago, I kind of feel like 15's going through its own little cycle where people are looking back on it and going, yeah, that was fun, but there were some serious problems with that. And, and I said on the pre-show, I would much rather play Final Fantasy 12 right now than 15. Like I, I have almost I was, zero. Yeah. I, I, have I almost knew I liked you. Well. I feel I, like no, uh, I, Final Fantasy twelve kind of irons out what made Final Fantasy fifteen not as good. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I feel like it, it it drags it under a microscope. Actually, yeah. especially if you were to play them back to back, you would you would almost think like, wait a second, which one is twelve and which one is fifteen? I mean, like, the uh, outside of the graphics, was a bold idea, but I guess it just did not really pan out as well, or they just didn't really do enough with it. Yeah. You know, and, as opposed to FF12, where it did actually kind of give you a bit more guidance in what it wanted. And I just I never, re- I just never really had fun with that battle system in Final Fantasy 15. Like it was unique the first time I started doing it, but then like as I'm just wildly swinging and not seeing any enemies and not having any idea what's going on, I was like, man, I wish I could just like assign gambits right now. Like <laughs> I, I kind of enjoy that. I like that tack. And again, I'm not you know trying to start a fight with Final Fantasy 15, but I think on some level, it's not just the fact that 12 has gotten this really, really great HD version. I think it's also the fact that people are kind of craving a traditional Final Fantasy game right now. And 12 is, even though it was wildly different for the time, it is way closer to a Final fantasy game than i think 15 mm-hmm. I, I, would it, I would agree it, it also has bosh and balthier and they are awesome and yeah. whatever franz uh accent is is that icelandic what the, yes what the, okay there you go i got it doesn't it. Be yeah, sad she, that, um, she's just it, bjork <laughs> like just bjork as well. no that's that's actually literally that was sort of their their <laughs> idea was to to use they they I think um, Alexander Smith name dropped uh, Bjork when he was been talking about the localization and said, wouldn't that be interesting because the sort of the, uh, the secluded uh, sort of mystical nature of the Viera, you know, they're all living together in this wood separated from the rest of the races. So let's give her this really sort of outlandish accent that's different from everyone else. And it really, it really does work, especially if you switch to the Japanese language track and you hear her Japanese voice, which is a much lower, sultry kind of voice. And it's very uh, typical, I would think, for the kind of character, you know, the sort of the the strong, silent, beautiful uh, bombshell type of character. Uh, it's a great, they're great voices. I love the Japanese cast too, but I, Fran's voice just takes you so much by surprise and much more so, I think, than any other uh, voice from uh, from the main cast. Mm-hmm. It worked. I liked it. <laughs> I adore the English voice acting and the writing in, in 12. Yes. And I think I'll say, really yeah, it does catch you off guard though. You know, she has kind of almost like a unique kind of rhythm to her voice that, you know, yeah. does sound non-human. Too, too, 
two quick questions. Do they all still sound like they're talking in chapels? And do they still say Marquis over and over again? Uh, unfortunately, the, they've improved the audio quality somewhat. Uh, it's not quite as bad as it was in the original game. It still sounds kind of um, like they were recording in a, a location that didn't have a lot of uh, necessary you know, uh, sound uh, design or proofing or whatnot. Everything sounds really flat and a little staticky. They use little Dixie cups for uh, you know a popper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still it's still better, so it's an improvement over the original, but it's still noticeably of lesser quality than what you would necessarily expect. Especially if you when you go from these um, the CG cutscenes, which sound fine, to the in-game stuff. So, an improvement, but it there's no way they were going to 100% fix that without going back and re-recording the entire game and they weren't going to do that. So <laughs> and they this still is... say they still say Marquis, huh? Yeah, they didn't re-record. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's a stylistic choice. I, I know, I know. It's 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 a game that I really do want to get back into. I like the international version when I tried it. It just it still didn't grab me, but I think with the improvements to this version it might finally do it. I did I never hated Final Fantasy 12. It just felt unfinished. Like that was the thing. It just it felt like it needed another six months to go in, fix some things, add some things. But the the core idea of playing a Final Fantasy game that is, you know, C++ for Junior is awesome to me. Like, that's the part of the game I really liked. It's just, you know, I don't think it quite got there. But with this re-release, you know, 11 years later, this game is getting its due. And that's really cool. I actually would have no problem if games took their sweet time more to create games, you know, to create. I hate when people are upset about delays. To me, that's just a chance for them to keep polishing it up. Yeah. If Final Fantasy XV took another two years be- to make it as perfect as it could be, I would have welcomed it. I was like yeah. that, um, there's that Shigeru Miyamoto quote, he's, uh, a delayed game is eventually good, but a bad game is bad forever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I've always I liked that, and I really wish that, you know, more game companies were intent on following through on that. So well, we don't have to talk about incompleteness. That's why um, CD Projekt Red, they're like my heroes right now because they're sticking to their guns with cyber, uh, Cyberpunk 2077. They're, you know, they're not showing us anything. We have, we've not seen anything of that game since like the original sort of teaser trailer and they keep, you know, whenever they're asked, it'll come when it's done, not before. And Good answer. Yeah, it's a good answer. I would agree. So let's uh, depart... Dalmasca and leave Final no. Fantasy 12. I know, I know. We will uh, be coming back though because Derek and I are going to talk about the Return to Evilise uh, raid when 4.1 hits in Final oh Fantasy 14. Oh, Trust yeah, me. I can't wait for that. It's going to be great. So I'd say uh, the only thing that I was really doing was uh, I, I increased my download speed in the house, and so I just was looking for any excuse to start downloading video games and seeing how fast it would go. It was really cool to like download 30 gigs in about 25 minutes. That that felt awesome uh, compared to the slow-ass internet I have. And it made me download a whole bunch of games on Steam, and I, I couldn't really find something I wanted to stick with until I went back to... Uh, Undertale! X- no, not yet. <laughs> almost, almost. Uh, now Steven's yelling at me to play that. So uh, I actually went back to XCOM 2, which uh, came out in early 2016. And I really didn't like it when it first came out. It was really buggy, uh, had a whole host of problems. I mean, there were there were moments where the game would just lock up for 30 seconds. 
And I was like, oh, my hard drive must be failing. No, that was that was a bug, and everybody was experiencing it. Um, so I went back to it now, and it, it was kind of weird. It, it plays much better now. There's still no excuse that it has some significant performance issues, but, you know, Firaxis is not really known for making action games that run at 60 frames per second. They're known for making Civilization. Um, but it was weird that they... They talked about how with XCOM 2, they needed to, they wanted to open it up to the mod community. They were like, oh, we're going to give you mod tools from day one. We want people to create things for this game, blah, 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 blah. And so when I started playing vanilla XCOM 2, there were certain things that weren't in the game that were actively pissing me off. So you're talking about a game that plays similar to Final Fantasy Tactics, uh, where it's, you know, grid-based, turn-based strategic combat. And there were moments of like, well, I don't know if I move to that position, whether or not I get a flanking bonus against an enemy. That's kind of necessary information in a strategy game. Like, that's what makes it a strategy game. That's what allows me to go in and actually plan out my tactics instead of a giant guessing game of, oh, am I even going to see the enemy over here? Uh, There were also some UI problems here and there, like, wow, do I really have to go through this menu every time in order to do this, do that? And then I loaded it up with a bunch of mods that fixed all those issues, and I started really enjoying the game. But then I, I started saying to myself, why didn't the developers do this? Like, is it lazy game design for them to rely on a mod community to fix yes. things? Uh, I, dude, I'm still pissed that Breath of the Wild does not let you go into your, like, change your inventory when your inventory is full. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the simplest I, things. I hate when it is missed, and I love and adore the mod compu- community for actually stepping up. Yeah, and, and like at the risk of bringing up the Fallout 4 discussion again, but like there, there were certain things in Fallout 4 that I was like, why isn't this in the base game? And it, it felt like Bethesda took the approach of, well, the mod community will take care of it. And I kind of agree with Derek and Steph. Like, that's kind of unacceptable to me. Like, the mod community should be there to, like, I don't know, add, add make it so I can make the cast a Street Fighter in XCOM or, like, give me new clothing options or... Or the nude mods. Oh, uh, no, no, not that. But, <laughs> but like, uh, make it... So, there's one really cool mod for XCOM 2 that in, brings, like, 60 new enemy types with, like, new abilities into the game. Like, that's really cool stuff. But, like, a mod to give me free camera control, like, so I don't just have four different viewpoints. I can actually swing the camera around 360 degrees. Like, why isn't that standard in the game? I had to get a mod for this game because it does a weird thing with uh, the save menu where when you scroll down, it doesn't scroll. It jumps. So, like, the first time I went into the save menu, I was like, wait a minute. Like, I pressed down once and the whole screen shifted. And now I'm highlighting something different. There was a mod to fix the scrolling speed in a save window. (laughs) Like, what the actual hell? Like, and don't get me wrong. I really, I got fully back into XCOM 2. I really had a lot of fun with it. I still have some issues with the way the game handles line of sight and uh, enemy encounters. Like, it behooves you to encounter the enemies at the start of your term. If you run into them at the end of the term, they're probably going to kill somebody early on in the game. So you're kind of gaming the system a little bit, but it just feels like some of these things should actually be in the game. And I I don't know if the mod community will take care of it is a good enough argument for me. So 
that was interesting. I played through a whole campaign of that. Uh, the expansion, uh, War of the Chosen, comes out in August, and that actually adds something similar to the Shadow of Mordor nemesis system with like three big bad alien types that will chase you around missions and get stronger and get new weapons if you don't manage to kill them. Uh, it also is incorporating a bunch of cast members from uh, the next generation. So like Deanna Troy is the leader of the Reavers, uh, which is a group of like stealthy assassin characters that you can get. And so that's giving me like flashbacks to gargoyles on the Disney channel of like having a reunion of TNG. So that, oh, yeah. that was, was in that. Everybody was in that. Okay. Jonathan Frakes was in that. Brent Spiner was in that. Um, right. was in that. Yes. Everybody was in that. That's why gargoyles was amazing until that last season on ABC Saturday, which was pretty pretty damn terrible uh right i mean that you basically had goliath fighting the ku klux klan but for gargoyles anywho (laughs) it got really weird uh but yeah that that looks really cool and i think xcom um has gotten to a point where that mod community can add so much to the game but in the back of my head i'm just going is firaxis kind of getting away with murder much the same way that i i think like with bethesda and their games like some of the things in Bethesda games, it feels like they've just said, eh, mod community will take care of it. We've oh, moved on to other things. And it's also because they've sort of galvanized themselves with this, I think, total BS uh, community that's willing to accept bugs because they're, they're features. They're not bugs. Like, I think that's bull. I yeah, understand I that a game of that scale is going to have issues that need to be ironed out. Like, I'm not saying that they need to release a perfect game on day one or that it's, that it's uh, sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? Like realistic for that to happen. But um, the, the amount of apologism is frankly baffling to me and I will never accept it. Yeah. So this is, this is another situation in which like, it's great that there is a community and sort of uh, people out there who are into engineering better solutions to these issues, but it's not expected. Like it shouldn't be par for the course. That's the thing. Like they should be working on doing it themselves. Which yeah. is easy for me to say as somebody who's not actively developing games on that scale. So. <laughs> no, but I, I think it's true. And uh, I would recommend XCOM to people who uh, like the original game. I think they did a really good job with XCOM 2. I, I started to get used to a lot of the nuance with the game and, and some of the features that I didn't quite get to in my first run. The only other thing that it really made me uh, focus on is um, like difficulty curve and we've talked a little bit about this before like the beginning part of that game is so freaking hard like one mistake and your your guys will just die but by the end of the game you have like a squad of gods who will just obliterate everything in the game and nothing can really stand up to you and i mentioned before i was playing a little bit of pillars of eternity and i'll admit i was getting really frustrated at the start because as i said at e3 those damn boars they they killed me again and uh, and I know, like, that game gets easier as you go, but I'm like, you know, Witcher 2 had this problem to an extent Witcher 3 did, but not nearly as bad as Witcher 2. Like, these games that start out so murderously hard at the beginning, and then they just get stupid easy. I- I'm reaching a point as a gamer where I just, that's an instant turnoff for me. Like, I, I like the difficulty to rise as I play through the game, and I learn my power set. And I you feel like a me- lot of Zelda games are like that, where it's like, when you start with three hearts, it's a really, really tough thing. To yeah. Get yeah! Like, you just die in Breath of the Wild, like, the first Moblin can kill you. Just like, <laughs> hi, how you doing, death? Yeah. And, and, like, I appreciate that in that game, and I get what they're going for, but I just... There's something about like a super high difficulty curve at the beginning of the game 
that I find very unappealing. And I know somewhere, somewhere somebody's going, well, what about the graveyard in Dark Souls? And I'm like, yeah, Dark Souls 1, that graveyard is kind of ridiculous, but you don't have to go there. And also Dark Souls 3, which is the game that I would recommend to people to play if they wanted to play one of these games the first time, the opening areas of that game are actually fairly doable and very forgiving compared to the rest of the series. Like you don't die in two hits in the opening area in Dark Souls 3. They actually like, it takes a lot of hits to actually kill you and it teaches you how to play the game. And then it gets harder as you go. If I run into a brick wall at the start of the game, like if I die on your second fight in the game, hello, pillars of eternity, that's probably going to be me turning the game off. Like, no, no, like, I, I'm not going to do that. And maybe that's me getting older. Uh, maybe I just need to get good. But I don't have a lot of patience yeah. for games that are, like, smacking you around at the very start and then making you into a god directly afterward. No, just... I, think it's, I think it's less an issue of needing to get good and more of an issue of balance. Something yeah. can be difficult, but I think it needs to ramp up appropriately, which, of course, is, like, a very sweeping statement that I can't apply universally to every game ever made. But... In general, oh, sure I think it's better to have an easy balance there, <laughs> you know? Like, let it be hard, but let it let it get hard. Don't let it start just stupid punishing for no reason. Yeah, and that's, that's a good way to turn you off, of, especially of an RPG, like something where stats are hugely important. Uh, please don't make it so that it's impossible to win early battles until I can leverage all of the abilities at my disposal. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's really bad in games that are uh, stat focused, like because that that is a layer uh, and somebody's going to say, well, why are you writing for RPG fan if you don't like RPGs? And it's like, well, let me explain. If there's nothing I can do because my stats just aren't high enough and also I don't have access to a lot of abilities that just makes for a frustrating experience. And like XCOM, you're so limited at the start of the game. Like you only have like basic uh, rifle attacks and like one grenade per character. By the end of the game, you have like four or five different abilities that just let you demolish the battlefield. Like you have so much more versatility that like encounters that easily would have killed me at the start of the game. You're making me fight the same enemies at the end of the game, but now I am just stupid strong. And the only way you're going to beat me is through numbers. That's actually one of the reasons I'm really excited for this expansion because, like, I think games like Final Fantasy Tactics, Tactics Ogre, and XCOM, they really struggle with boss encounters. Like, they, you can tell they want to do a boss encounter. They're like, let's do something that's really different. But when they do, they end up just making an enemy that either hits really hard or just has a stupid number of hit points that you have to overcome. That's not really interesting to me. I like it when there are abilities and challenges. I actually came to really like the mission timers in XCOM 2, and I know I complained about that a year ago when I first played it. Like, I really didn't like those mission timers, but they ended up making me play the game differently, and they were a far better stress than like, oh, here's this character that just has double damage and double hit points. Like, no, I need to get to this objective and hack this computer before it explodes. That was way more stress on me as a gamer, and I really, really liked that. So you're saying that they're better than the boss battles in Deus Ex? Why would you? Why would you bring that up? <laughs> I really, but but I think Caitlin will back me up on this. I really like one of those last encounters in uh, Mankind Divided where you have to like take out all the terrorists stealthily. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Yes, that was, that was so satisfying. That was such an adrenaline uh, adrenaline rush. Excuse me. 
that that was like a hitman level in the middle of Deus Ex, and a very well done way of like raising the stakes without giving me a metered boss fight. And don't get me wrong, I love boss fights. I feel like that's all I'm doing this episode. It's like the apologist episode. <laughs> Who is taking pictures right now? What 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 what? What are you doing, Steph? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at pictures and I saw a pretty picture. <laughs> I oh, took a picture of the picture. Um, okay. But like raising the stakes in a different way. I, I love boss fights, but not every kind of huge action in a game needs to be a boss fight. I like going through different experiences and trying different things. And I think XCOM's mission timers actually ended up making the game better in a lot of ways and keeping me from just playing it very, uh, very safe and very like, you know, not really taking any risks. I, I thought that was really good. I'd recommend it to people. Derek, I'm, I'm not quite sure if you would like it, but I think like the Final Fantasy Tactics guy in you might want to give it a try. My uh, my boyfriend plays a ton of XCOM. I've watched him play it for probably like 30, 40 hours. <laughs> and uh, that's good for me. It's fine. <laughs> he gets really stressed <laughs> out by it. It is a super stressful game. Like there, there were moments like in the mid game where I was, you know, so close to death that like just a complete disaster of like losing all my people uh i did make a couple people from rpg fans steph you have like 50 kills good good job on you yeah. uh yeah you're one of my heavy chain gunners uh you are oh, uh i can see that yeah you're, you're Steph. <laughs> I, I wanted to name you Canadian Bacon as your nickname Thank but you. uh it, it was too long so i went with Canada Dry i, I hope that's okay <laughs> and and for and now my, I understand where the nickname came from. There it is. Uh, and then for War of the Chosen, I'm probably going to make Derek. Uh, Derek, I see you as a sniper. Is that okay? okay. Is that, sure. does, that, does that work no, for you? That's not in line with what I usually play, but that's fine. Well, what do you usually play? Usually like a caster. Ooh, so, okay. I might I make you a Templar. I might make you a Templar. That's one Mine totally do. works for my like get the biggest weapon possible style and go hack people with it. So yeah, I appreciate yours. It's going to work when we do uh, Dark Stuff and we walk you through uh, uh, Dark Souls. I got plenty of time these days. It's going to work. So XCOM 2, uh, really, really good. I would recommend the PC version so you can mod it up. Uh, I played it with a controller. I really liked playing it. I like sitting back uh, at my computer and playing with a controller. Uh, But yeah, you got to mod it up a little bit to get it to a point where it's it's a lot of fun and reduce some of the obfuscation that really shouldn't be there. Uh, But overall, really, really good. So, so, so um, who am I? Yeah. I haven't I haven't made you yet, Caitlin. I haven't made Salbato yet. Either. Wait, wait, I'm, a, I'm not born yet? No, you're not born I'm yet. Not you're, you're not you're not born yet. Uh to a ghost. Oh, I like man. that her her mic kind of fizzled out as she was saying, I haven't I'm been born yet. It worked out well. <laughs> yeah, totally back to the future, don't you? Phasing out of existence. <laughs> Erased from existence. Uh oh, I, I have to go and make sure my parents fall in love with the enchantment under the sea dance. But now your dad is flirting with you. Now, now, I'm once oh. again, now I'm once again angry that uh, Jackie did not let me use Earth Angel as our first dance song. Oh. <laughs> what so, was it? What was it? Uh, we used uh, Pure Imagination from uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, how cute. That's a good one. <laughs> it was really good, but Earth Angel is like, that makes me tear up when I hear that. Like, that is, that's part of my childhood right there. I love Back to the Future. Uh, she wanted to use some Josh Groban song or something. <laughs> the amount of money that Josh Groban has gotten for me and my family is getting a little ridiculous right now. We went to Great Comet a couple weeks ago, so he like walked right by me. Uh, he had a good beard, though. I couldn't, I couldn't fault him that. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. I was so, I was so sad and happy that you know when you said uh, Ed Sheeran was on Game of Thrones because of uh, 
uh, for um, Maisie Williams's birthday. I thought that was so cute. Yeah, like, and and of course, the internet being the giant hate-filled beast that it is, just this is why we can't have nice things. Like this really, really nice, sweet moment. Yeah. That the, what is that? that? I don't really understand. Like, what's the issue? Why don't people like him? I, I think people just don't like Ed Sheeran. Uh, Steph, did you say it in the pre-show? People just don't like Ed Sheeran because he's popular right now. Probably. I don't know. It, it's like people that people that go out. I had a friend on Facebook made a really good post where they were like, "If the first thing you're going to do is post on Facebook tonight about how like I don't like Game of Thrones, it's stupid. Can you just let people like the thing they're going to like and like get <laughs> off of it? This is like when people. It's like when people. Game of Thrones parties. It sounded great. It's like when people were bagging on Pokemon Go, and I was like, "Oh no, people are going outside and interacting with each yeah, other and like, having fun." God forbid! It's like, like being the grumpy old man in the corner, you know, yelling at the clouds. Just like, uh, cares, leave man, it. Old man yells at clouds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's you what should. it is. Ah, oh, people. Uh, a bunch now, of bastards. I find myself saying that pretty often. Yeah. So Steph wanted to talk about a little Famitsu list, and I think this is a good place to kind of wrap up the podcast. Uh, <laughs> what, what is this? The top 50 RPGs of all time? Nah, I don't really know the number. I don't care. But anyways, yeah, so Famitsu pulled a whole bunch of people. They got about 2,300 votes. Uh, pretty evenly split between males and females, all things considered. Uh, and they voted on their like top, I think it's like 20 favorite RPGs. So... Uh, I'm going to go from descending order all the way up. Um, so what actually ranked last of the best was throwing in some Western love was Witcher 3, Wild Hunt. Yay, that's cool. That, they'll, uh, they'll throw us a bone to our white man RPGs. Okay. I was going to say, I literally yeah, think it's the only Western made RPG. There. <laughs> but it is, to be fair, it is probably the most impactful on the entire genre right now and And you know what i actually still think you know with the location of where the poll takes takes place i think that's actually pretty impressive so i'm not trying to bag on them for that um so after that final fantasy 7 and 9 which in my opinion are 9 was ranked way too low but hey no final fantasy 8 i i could have done without that but hey people like it no i'm looking at the list right now it's final fantasy 8 7 is a lot way higher no, I said, oh, did I say eight? Okay. You said uh, seven. Whatever. Okay, so yeah, eight and nine. Uh, Earthbound, sh- sure, I think it could be higher too. Uh, Final Fantasy VI, Dragon Quest Four. I, okay, Dragon Quest Four is pretty good, but I better see an eight and a five up there if we're talking about four right now. I don't think eight made it. That's no. wrong. That's five that's, did, that's eight did not. Um, Persona 4 Golden. So that is the first of the Persona games that made it. Uh, Xenogears. Yay! Uh, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> We're, we are still in the second half of that list. So <laughs> hold your tongue. Uh, uh, all right. All right. Uh, Dragon Quest IV. Yeah, it was there. Sorry. Uh, Xenogears. Yep. Final Fantasy X. Okay. My, pers- my personal baby, Xenoblade Chronicles. Yay! Yay. Okay, okay. <laughs> Final Fantasy fifteen. No. Mm, no. I it's fine. Only I one other Final Fantasy. Fantasy. I'm sure you know which one beat Final Fantasy fifteen. I think that just shows a recency effect, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, these between, lists are. Oh, yeah, a lot of this seems to be going between like a lot of recent stuff and popular stuff. So I'm happy like stuff like Xenoblade and Xenogears still kind of made it, or even like some of the Dragon Questers or Earthbound, but. I don't know. Final Fantasy 15 amongst the best. Mm-mm. It was pretty. 
Yeah, well, graphics are the only thing it has going. Well, and music to a certain extent, but graphics of. really are the only thing that game has going for it. All right, so coming up above Final Fantasy 15 is Persona 3. Interesting. I would agree that that's better. Yeah. We, we I don't yeah. think it's better than four, though. Yeah. Do we put that above four? I I really. You can't control in... your party members. Yeah. If it was P3 portable. I, yeah. I know, I know it feels like I'm splitting hairs, but P3 portable is. I, I really do like that dark aesthetic of Persona Three, but I also love the Scooby and the Gang aspect of Persona Four. <laughs> but like. Persona 3, that's a tough game to go back to right now after P3P and uh, and Persona 5. Just in terms of like basic functionality. That that feels a little that feels a little strange. Yeah, I'm not mm. This one actually kind of weirds me out a little bit. I'm really surprised this one ranked as high as it did. Near. What? Yeah, the original. Yeah. I mean, the original Near, I it is very, very original, and Yoko Taro is the master of flawed masterpieces. Yeah, for sure. There's an absolutely amazing story and characters and soundtrack in the original Nier, but gameplay wise, like I could not rate it that highly. Ooh. I yeah, I just switched to easy when I just kind of got fed up. I was just like, whatever, yeah. let's just blow through this popsicle stand. Yeah. Here's a here's a question as you're uh, going through this. Uh, do they do they say Zelda's an RPG? No. <laughs> okay. All right. But just, just throwing that out there. According to the Wii U, uh, sorry, the Switch Virtual Console, uh, Zelda: Breath of the Wild is indeed an RPG because mm. it is categorized as such, and it should be. I, I feel it. Why not? I, well, I know that's always one we like to make fun of, though. Wait. Right, so, Switch well, Virtual Console? Did they self-release that? Oh no! Just the what she means is the Switch Online. Store. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, the oh, online okay, store. Okay. Sorry. I was like, I, damn. Damn. Today. Um, okay, so above near is and good for it. So we couldn't do. Yes. Yay! That one. That one deserves it. Should I play Sweet in one? I fired it up one time no. on my Vita. Yeah. No, I mean it's <laughs> good, but knowing you, just play two. It's fine. Just play two. Okay. Yeah, two, two is an absolute work of art. Yeah, that thing is a great yeah. game. Uh, okay, so above Sweet Coden two is Dragon Quest five. Yay! Yeah. Uh, how that's... far into the list are we? Where are we? Like we're top at or? top five now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Dragon Quest V is really, really good. I'm glad. I really play I, it, yeah. I'm glad Solosi made me play that. Play the DS version because it, it is not that long. It's it's Do you very it? dope. Uh, yeah. Can I borrow it? Mm-hmm. I'll throw in Canadian bacon when I send it back. Okay, that's that's pretty good. But now there's just going to be greasy <laughs> Canadian bacon all over. It'll uh, smell so good when it's heated up inside of the DS slot. Wow. It's, it's, it's God. All right, moving on. <laughs> All right, so above Dragon Quest Five is Final Fantasy Seven. Okay, that's in fourth. Wow, or sorry, fifth. Did we already pass six? Uh, six was Dragon Quest Five. I don't. No, I don't. No, I mean, there's no I'm, no, I mean, here, so I'm just kind of no, going with it. Six is, so, six is further down. It's it's closer to the end. Final Fantasy Six is further. Mm, yeah, Final yeah. Fantasy Six was quite a ways down. Actually, seven, it did seven. beat nine and. And nine and eight. Um, seven is beloved in Japan, and I, I love seven because it's so bat crap bonkers. It's basically Evangelion, the video game, in a lot of ways. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's one of probably even more. It, to it's me, so Final Fantasy crazy. Seven is like Shakespeare, where it's like even though everybody loves it, I think it deserves it. It's like sure, you know, it's, it's as good as everybody says it is. It's still fun to play too because those battles are really fast. So yeah. okay. okay, all right. So above Final Fantasy Seven, uh, near Automata. 
What? <laughs> Near Automata is fantastic, but again, yeah, but like I, it's, I think it's really, little, really good. But again, I'm this is of all time, not like yeah. in the last yeah. you know five, ten, twenty years. This is all it, time. If I hear, if I don't hear a Chrono Trigger in a couple seconds, I'm going to get angry. Chrono Trigger's next. <laughs> okay, all right. There you go. And again, that's not me attacking here. I'm just saying, like, the that's why I hate lists in general. I know. Is because, like... Uh, so, again, this is a Famitsu list, which, you know, somehow thought Nintendogs was, like, one of the best games of all time, I guess. So, your mileage may vary. I mean, it was interesting for a minute when it came out. <laughs> but, Nintendogs? Yeah, oh, it's cute as heck! Yeah, yeah I love Nintendogs. I just wouldn't give it a 40 out of 40. Uh, No. No. <laughs> Didn't they give uh, a 12 a 40 out of 40 though when it first came out? I think they did. Yeah. Uh, oh, shoot. Yeah. Maybe they? they were on to something. Caitlin's <laughs> <laughs> like, stop. Are you laughing with her at? <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't knocking it. I promise. Put the knife down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, uh, Near Tomata and then Chrono Trigger. Much deserved. It's great. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> number one, Chrono Trigger. Uh, no, so- we got two more. No, we got oh. two more. So these ones are interesting. Dragon Quest three is number two. I've hmm. never actually played that Dragon Quest. So I haven't either, but I've heard really good things. I think uh, that has a job. That one's system. probably influential and important in terms of what it did, as far as like probably broke sales records at the time. Introduced a lot of people in Japan to Dragon Quest. Uh, introduced, didn't it pioneer the job system for Dragon Quest? Yeah, is it like kind of like the Tetris of RPGs, where it was just kind of like there early and first and did it well? And I think that's the <laughs> one that like exploded, like in terms of popularity. Like that's that's when you had like you know the whole miss stories about like oh the game can only be released on weekends, even though like no the Japanese government did not actually sanction that. But like I think that's the one that like officially blew up mm-hmm. all right and famitsu's number one game as polled by about 2300 people are you ready mm-hmm. valkyria revolution i'm trying no. to, i'm trying to guess it before oh uh, man no <laughs> it's persona okay. five Mm. Oh, you said earlier. yeah! Oh my god! Yeah, no, I mean, Persona Five is also, you know, once again, a really, really, it's really, really, game, but... really good. I think if the dungeons were slightly more Zelda esque, like they give you a bit more to do and it's a little, a little less X buttony, I totally would agree. And if this final my complaints the finale... are not gameplay wise, but yeah, yeah, I, if the finale I... didn't really fall apart, I would have been a bit happier. I just like you know. I love Persona 5. I'm not trying to knock it, but... They botched this, Summer, too. How they wasted Hawaii is an absolute affront. <laughs> this just this just smacks to me of this game is recent and we love it, and because it's recent and we love it, we're going to say it's the best of all time. I feel like if they would were to run the same poll in another, gosh, even maybe just another year or two, let alone like another five it years. Sound, yeah. Yeah, it, it would still probably be on there, but I don't think it would be anywhere as close to the top as it is. Mm-hmm. I like Persona Five, and it, it does yeah. several several things better than P Four. But I think ultimately, I still kind of just have a bigger place in my heart for P Four. Which is interesting. I like you're not the first person to say that. You're not even like probably the first thousandth whatever to say that. <laughs> Uh, you know, so I just think it's interesting that they really pull it off with P4. And, you know, despite all the, the kind of flash and flare of uh, of per- PlayStation 5, blah, Persona 5, you know, it just didn't quite meet. Everything about it is really, really good. It just did not hit, I don't know, with the development time, I think you were expecting a bit more. 
Yeah, for, for me, the places where Persona 5 fell short were in terms of localization, writing, and uh, some of the characterizations I thought were kind of... What's some of the beef with the um, uh, localization? Because again, already. that's not something I've heard oh, once man, before that, either. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we did a whole episode on it pretty much, but yeah, it's... There, there's, really, check it out. There, there's a really good site that I think Derek can direct mm-hmm. you to, because I can't remember which one, but there's, there's a really good site that rises above all the cacophony it's done by a, a really excellent uh localization expert and he actually like shows you what is wrong with each one of the statements a, a lot of that stuff was really hard for a layman like me to read and understand but this dude's website the real flashy one you know the one i'm talking about there oh i think i've even seen it yeah, yeah it's, it's personaproblems.com yeah that one <laughs> that one did a really good job of explaining to me you know somebody who doesn't really think about the English language that much that that did a really good job of explaining it to me. Uh, I have to make a decision between whether now that I finished up XCOM, do I go to persona five and finish that up? Or do I just bite the bullet? Oh, and it? I still haven't beaten it. I, I only got to like the third dungeon and I got distracted. What? I know I, I, I was loving what I was playing, but it was like, it was getting close to the end of the school year. I was super busy. After and, everything. Wow. I can't believe you didn't even beat it. Okay. Wait, I, I just got distracted with persona one game. Uh, I still haven't beaten Persona 5. (laughs) And and again, I I didn't hate anything about Persona 5, but I I found myself like when I was coming home at the end of the day and I was super tired, like I was getting ready. The monotony of going to school and doing social things, uh, you know, in in a video game just kind of compounded on me in real life. It it started (laughs) to get to me. It started to get to me a little bit and I didn't have a long like stretch of time to play it. So I'm, I'm now debating, do I go back to persona 5 or do i join in with the final fantasy 12 craze I mean, and go pick that up right they're now both, they're both good i i can see rob you struggling towards the end of persona 5 like one i think the the hundred floor third, dungeon the third from last dungeon or whatever um you're gonna have problems with because it just goes on too long and you're gonna be like why is this still happening to me yeah but i do think it's a it's a great game overall i'm still happy with it so, I feel like the 100 hours is the... It, it's funny, whenever I bring up Dragon Quest, uh, people always go like, aren't those games like 100 hours long? And I'm like, actually, Dragon Quest Seven is the only one that is egregiously long. Like, Dragon Quest Five only took me like 30 hours to beat. Like yeah. that, and that was perfectly fine. Dragon Quest Eight with speeding up the battles only took me 30 hours. Like, the Dragon Quest games, Seven is the stupid long one. The rest of them are actually very beatable. Yeah, and for some reason, that reputation kind of bled into the rest of the series. Yeah, like I, I don't understand. I mean, they're not I, short, but yeah, no, no, no. But I, I think thirty, forty hours is like the perfect That's length fine. of time for an RPG. My campaign in Xbox Two was just over, just under thirty hours, hmm. and that was perfect because I was starting to get a little bored by it. And hearing that I'm like at hour twenty in Persona Five, I'm like, oh. I mean, just trying to play it, focus on it, focus on enjoying it, and then like if you don't. If you don't enjoy it anymore, then that's one thing. But I still need to worrying play too near. much about time before the fact is. Sorry. I still need to yeah. play near. You're all over. You the give place. me Dragon Quest, I'll give you near. Uh, but I'll I'll just buy near. <laughs> like uh-huh. I'll, I'll just buy the damn thing. Uh, You're gonna hate the second playthrough. it's it's exactly the same as the first with a few extra cutscenes and then the third one is totally different and absolutely 100% worth playing so I just have to grip my teeth and get through it yep oh boy Uh, the only other thing I have here I got some some news story on my desk right now this is Kingdom Hearts 3 in 2018 yeah okay whatever Uh, (laughs) yeah 2018 days 
Uh, yeah, they at uh, D. What was it? D twenty three, the Disney uh-huh. convention thingy. They announced uh, Kingdom Hearts three is apparently coming out in twenty eighteen. They showed off a Toy Story world, which looked really, really cool. I gotta say that that. Well, looked... Have you seen like the graphical comparisons to the first Toy Story movie? To yeah, no, it, it actually looks better. <laughs> um, <laughs> it looks really good. Um, to be fair, but... the lighting is still better in, of course, CG film. But yeah, everything else looks better. <laughs> I, I just wonder, like, uh, with the engine change and with Nomura running his mouth off about kingdom hearts three i'd say late 2018 at the earliest like i i do not think that thing comes Apparently out they said it's going to have less worlds than kingdom hearts 2 did I, I think that's actually a good thing yeah i, I think that's a good thing and I, but here's the thing if it had less awesome worlds then i'd be into that because yeah definitely for something like that less is totally more and I, could, should be more I'm totally on board with that game and hearing Donald and Goofy speak Japanese. I was getting totally excited. And then somebody showed up wearing a black cloak and zippers. And I was like, nope, I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. Like, and that really sucks because I love the Disney aspect of kingdom hearts, but that story is incomprehensible nonsense right now. Like, how am I supposed to jump back into this? The last game I I played was to wrap it up though. There's like 13 versions of Xehanort and I'm, and like, I don't know, I don't know there's like eight much. different versions of Sora and Venta. And now Leonard Nimoy's passed away, so you uh, can't... And, and Christopher Lee, like, so uh, what, is, what is the goddamn point right now? I, I, I just I, I just wish that it had none of the Organization 13 stuff. Like, I, I don't need all that stuff. I loved I love the original Kingdom Hearts one story. I thought that was just enough zany animeness in the middle of all the Disney to work and, and then they, Billy Zaniness. Yes, all the Billy <laughs> Zany. Have you ever seen uh Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight? No, that's right, he was in that. He is so over the top insane in that movie that it wraps all the it's like he's impersonating Nick Cage. The entire way through the movie, and it's awesome. You need what, to watch like, it. What, like, Nick Cage, or...? Yeah, it, he's, like, all over the map. He's super campy in it. It's it's worth watching. I, I would recommend that. But, but, like, Kingdom Hearts 1 had just the right amount of crazy anime stuff, and then they... I don't even want to say they doubled down. It's like they squared it and then cubed it in Kingdom Hearts <laughs> 2. And I just have, and for those non-math people, that would be taking it to the sixth power. Uh, I, I just have... I don't know. It looks cool. You think there's going to be a Star Wars world? That you know what? Instead of Sephiroth, I you really fight like Darth Vader instead. <laughs> I, I really, really hope not. That's just going to feel <laughs> way too much. Like, oh, tie-in because yeah, that's right. We have the Last Jedi coming out around the same time. If you don't think he's going to be hanging out with Groot at some point in Kingdom Hearts three, I got news for you. <laughs> that that writes itself right out right there. Baby Groot, voiced by Vin Diesel, and in every language, all he has to do is say Groot. Groot. <laughs> this works. This works. Uh, but yeah, I would say late 2018. Anybody want to take me up on that bet? Uh, yeah, I mean, they said I wouldn't be surprised if it gets delayed. <laughs> <laughs> now have you seen that picture from um, one of the early persona 5 trailers it says like winter 2014 <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> whoopsies alright well uh, that does it for this episode of random encounter apparently everybody needs to go out and buy uh, final fantasy 12 the zodiac age uh, yes. good job square enix please do it can they fix final fantasy 13 the answer is no
Oh my god, can you believe how long they spent on that series? Like, we're only at, we just finished 15, and 12 was done 10 years ago. That hurts. <laughs> I still love that original piece of Final Fantasy 12 art. Like, the first art that they ever showed for the game. Like, that cityscape. With yeah. The yeah. They redid that it. That game had for... great concept art. Well, they the didn't dude. redo it, but they, the, uh, the artist for Zodiac Age drew his own interpretation of that scene, and it has, like, the actual characters in it this time, Fran and Valtteri. Oh, stuff. can you show, have can you? I also like uh, the, the Sky City yeah, one. They have like the one of them kind of hitting, uh, hitting up like an airport. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, airship area. Yeah, my, my wallpaper for so many years. The, oh, the dude, I totally get that poster. Are we talking about the same piece of art that has like the guy walking on the streets and he's got like a white robe on or something like that? Ah, oh, that that Final Fantasy twelve. I was so excited for that when they first announced it, and I'm really glad that game's getting the love that it kind of deserves. I shouldn't even say kind of. It it really does. It does deserve it, and I would like to see that expanded on. Show me that picture. I want to see that. I was so excited seeing Ashy's massive thighs in a tiny pink skirt. Oh, that's really good. (laughs) A a big thighed girl. I I dig it. You can actually uh, you can see all all of the characters are there. Vaughn and Pinello are uh, sort of to the left of Balthier, and then much smaller off to the right. uh, You can you can make out Ash and. uh, It's also one of my favorite logos too. Yeah, they're yeah. I'm trying to find the piece for them. Yeah, I'll I'll share with you guys. This is the piece of art that I always think about with. uh... With Final Fantasy twelve, this is a great thing to do in the middle of a podcast. And I, I know, apologize. right? I was just about to say, I, I here we are talking about I'll, a thing you can't see. I'll use the picture for the graphic. How about that? That that uh that picture just <laughs> yeah. encapsulates everything that I wanted about Final Fantasy yeah. twelve. Like, I, was think, I was thinking of too. It's yeah. the city of Arcades. It's got kind of like the orange sunset yeah. hues of all yeah. the buildings and everything. It's beautiful. And and they they you actually do feel like that when you're on the t- the streets in town. Like you do yeah. really feel that if they if they turned around and said Final Fantasy 16 we're modeling it after 12 I'd be like hell yeah like let's do this yeah, I'm, I'm, Ivalice, please yes please I'm totally on board with oh man we need to bring back Evilise uh, well they are bringing back Evilise Rob if, if only you had played uh, this game called Final I Fantasy know, 14 I yes we don't hey, even Rob. actually know specifically Talk about a time sink. well we we don't we know, know but Dalmasca is a location in uh, in Heidelin like the lore book mentions Dalmasca. So while I hope that tactics gets a reference to, it would seem more lucky that for sure 12 is going to get a reference. Interesting. I had heard uh, the opposite that Yoshida confirmed that it was more tactics than 12. Oh, well, okay. So maybe I'm wrong. I just, like I I said, Dalmasca is a physical place. So yeah. yeah. And it's near near Doma. They're both in the the same continent. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to end the podcast again because it didn't okay. work the first time. All right, so, <laughs> thank Wait. you, everybody, for uh, listening to Random Encounter. Uh, for Derek, Caitlin, and Steph, we will see you all later. Bye. Go play FF12. Yep. Love it. Don't believe what's-his-face's lies. Andor. Wait a second. Andor. Where was the original end supposed to be? I missed that. I, I, I tried and failed. Mr. No, we're, we're ending it right now. <laughs>